0: the whole point of design is that everybody's making something different if you do something different they're like yeah yeah he's doing it this way yeah of course i'm doing a different way that's the point of design not to do the same as everybody else and then i can fail but you know don't blame me for doing my own way because that's the whole point of all these designers and nothing original comes out i'm like okay shut up make your objects and and be happy but don't talk because it's a waste of energy If you have nothing original to say.
1: Hi, I'm Dan Rubinstein, and this is The Grand Tourist. I've been a design journalist for nearly 20 years, and this is my personalized guided tour through the worlds of fashion, art, architecture, food and travel. All the elements of a well-lived life. Designers today have incredible freedom when creating anything from a dinner plate to a hotel. Function is always a given, of course, but today we allow and expect our creators to add a bit of the human touch and a little bit of humor into everything they envision. But it wasn't always this way. In the 90s and early aughts, modernism was having a well-deserved resurgence after the -the over-the-top decades of the 70s and 80s. Thanks to a new generation of talents, design didn't simply backslide into clean lines and right angles. Because of designers like my guest today, a highly personal form of design grew and changed history. At the forefront of this was the Dutch master of creativity himself, Marcel Vonders. For 30 years, Marcel has put his signature style, sometimes subtle, sometimes truly in your face, all over the built environment. Curvaceous sofas, Delft blue porcelain remixed for the 21st century, one of his signatures. Elegant vases with floor motifs for Baccarat, or a lattice-like facade on a Louis Vuitton flagship in Miami's design district that glows at night and many, many interiors, from hotels and homes to restaurants and beyond. Vonders founded his studio in 2002, and he's produced more than 1,900 projects to date. In 2021, he was in a bad car accident and had to shut down his studio for a short period of time. But he's back in the saddle, and one of his latest projects is a line of elegant outdoor furniture for the Italian brand Polyform. Which we'll speak about. I've interviewed Marcel before, and while some might not look past the flowery designs or wild shapes, underneath that is a thinking man's designer with a beautiful worldview that I believe the creative world can always learn from. I caught up with Marcel from his home to talk about his first gigs of design for the likes of the Dutch Post Office and the national airline KLM, how his famed knotted chair came to be, and how the 60 year old thinks or doesn't about retirement you know in, in doing my my research and my homework uh on you i kind of like i found very little about you know your early upbringing as a child you grew up in a small town in the netherlands and uh boxtel is that how you pronounce it yeah boxtel. yeah and wh- what was that like what, what did your parents do
0: my, my mom and dad they had a shop like a simple shop for Home appliances, toys, luxury goods. This is a simple shop in a in a village. But you know, they're passionately working on that. I had two brothers, two sisters, so a lot of mouths to feed.
1: And uh, what were, were you the youngest uh, or the middle I child? I was the middle one. Middle one. I was the middle one. And uh, what were you like as a, as a kid? Do you? I, know, I mean, today you're now known for your sketches and your drawing. Did you? Were you a creative child?
0: I guess I was uh yeah, I guess I was in a way. I love to draw. But I loved also to I, I I remember we had like at some point we had some sculpture lessons and of course as a kid that's like difficult and and so what I did, I, I had this um this plastic blown skeleton in my okay. room. So I made a little hole in it, and I pushed it full of clay and then I took the wrapping out and so I made this skeleton in a very different way, using the mold in a way from yeah. from my own toy. So for me, that's kind of interesting because it's kind of, I always found ways to do things also if they're not. If that's if making a mold out of something is not. <laughs> if, that's how, if that's how it is, then that's how it is, right? Like, So it's not just like endlessly trying to figure out something else, like try to find a different way and just like get a result in a different way. So that's in a way to me, I mean, it's, it's it's creative to draw, but it's more creative to find a way not to draw and get the results in a way, you know? So it's kind of like that. It's also, there's also something mischievous in there, like, yeah, yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So for me, it's that. but I had uh, my own little workshop in the house with, uh, you know, some hammers and screws and nails and simple stuff nothing fancy and then i had uh, at some point when i was a bit older i started to work on my bike <laughs> crazy stuff with my bike like high steering wheels crazy saddles and at some point i made my bike in such a way that when i pedaled backwards my bike would go forward <laughs> I have no idea how I did that. Now I have a hard time to even think how I did that. Like, I don't even know how I did that. But.
1: And, you know, uh, another part of the mythology of, of your of your early career was that you went to Eindhoven, uh, but you got expelled, and you kind of yeah. went to different schools afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I got an und- I'd love to hear from you. How did you get expelled from Eindhoven?
0: Well, it was very fairly easy to have
1: to say. Okay.
0: Uh, <laughs> No, Eindhoven was, um, back then, it was not the school as today. Uh, it was, uh, let's say, an old-fashioned kind of design school. It was guiding people to become designers at Philips, in a way. No, More technical. The logo, the, yeah, no, but like, uh, Philips is not a design company. They would just make uh, an iron board and stuff. No, it was like uh, humble design stuff, and so-so. Uh, it was important that the radiuses of objects were right and nice and clean and well done. And for me, the whole point of this design idea was like, oh, this is going to be cool. This is going to be, I can do something really interesting. I can experiment. This is going to do something cool, no? So I was doing, I was experimental in my own, in my own simple version of experimental, but also with, with, in some way, the knowledge that, you know, failure, was, uh, was not something I was afraid of, because I'm like, I want to study. I want to do a good study. I don't want a good result. I want a good study. And if my good study leaves me with a failed result, that's great, right? I don't, I don't care. It's like, as long as you're in school, you have to fail a lot and learn a lot. And then when you're not in school, you shouldn't fail anymore. Cause that's really not fair for your clients so you you, you do your experimentation before and you learn there so i had no need for yeah doing the right things for teachers and stuff like that i was just doing my own thing and um and so at the end they're like Come on, that's not what we do and uh, later i did uh this is like 15 years later I did an interview with the teacher that expelled me, which was a work for him mm. because all through the year I had good grades and then at the end they decided, yeah, but we still want to get rid of him. So they had to change my Easter and, uh, and Christmas scores to get me out. So they had to really go back in time and change numbers that they had given before. I do Yeah, so it's like… That's not, nice. not not completely. No, not at all. Ha- Happy way to get out. <laughs> no, I was really pissed by then, but anyway. So I had this interview with this guy, <clears throat> and it became clear. He said also yeah, Marcel, listen, we were in a way old old school. We were <laughs> we were old school, and you, yeah, you were finding a new road, and you've proven that you've found it, and that that's what it is right uh we just didn't see that we 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 were doing the old bow tradition and you're against that so yeah mm-hmm. we were just not made for each other or so made for each other that it became clear to you what you don't want so I, I know it's like and i'm like yeah i'm happy they saying that because i think that's that's also the reality i mean they were I mean, they were good people. I mean, of course, they tried to do the best for their students. I have no moment that I have doubted that. I just disagreed with them. I thought uh, I should stay on this school and I shouldn't be kicked off. But then at the end, uh, I think I found my way. I did four different schools.
1: And I, I read that after your you went to these sort of four different schools, I believe, uh, one of your first jobs out of school was designing a desk lamp for the post office is that true
0: yeah the 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 post office. let's say in in holland we have a situation that a few companies have have decided in the context of this the big you know beautiful world they Took responsibility for culture in the environment, in the so the telephone cells are beautiful in the Netherlands, and the post stamps are you know beautiful in the Netherlands, and so the art in the in the companies is beautiful. But these are also all often wise. They're companies that are a bit you know have have government owned and stuff like that. So so this company the pay to they called back then they had uh you know some f- three four people on the payroll that were organizing the culture of the company which is like okay they made the, the post stamps with artists uh they selected the art that they would buy because every year they bought some art and and so one of the art projects was like marcel is going to uh, design uh I think a lamp, and so I had to make it so that I could make twenty-five of them, and so so projects like that. Um, and of course, in the beginning, I got these a bit because once I once I finished school in '88, I already had won uh, three design contests of professionals. Mm-hmm. So my 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 end exam was. Yeah, front cover news on the national design magazine. So oh, wow. I got this kind of yeah, cultural projects. I got them fairly easy or f- fairly soon, because you know, for a kid out of the school, I was like super famous.
1: <laughs>
0: relative, uh,
1: sure, sure.
0: Sort. No, so so they they, they love to to do a prize with me, and then I love to do these things also. I just wanted to do also really serious projects, of course.
1: And uh, what was your first sort of serious project that you think in your mind after that period?
0: I mean, I I, I did one one of the projects that I was asked in the, in a similar fashion was uh, I was invited by the minister Ministry of CRM, which is Culture, Recreation, and something else, whatever. It doesn't exist even anymore and uh, they had uh, come up with the idea that the KLM should change their in-flight service. And they would sponsor the KLM, if the KLM KLM would also pay half to do an interesting project and a little exhibition for in-flight services. And so KLM would invite two studios and the, the ministry would invite two studios. So, uh, KLM invited Landmark and the owners to serious design studios of good quality, and uh, then the ministry, they, inv- they invited the, the most, uh, let's say, celebrated designer at the moment, Borjek Siepek, that lived in the Netherlands, and they uh, invited uh, the youngest designer that they knew which is me <laughs> All right. and so so the four of us went on this project and obviously klm had to choose what was winning and of course these studios they won but then uh, uh, out of that project uh, i got to know these two design studios and both of them they asked me if i want to work with them for them and for me it was interesting because uh, I had my own studio, and I so I said that I will I will come work with you. I will have my own studio also. I will stay only for three years. I want the highest salary of all your employees, and I want to do the KLM project. Okay, and then I I worked there for three years, and then I wow. left them also. So it was funny, it's like uh, and that, so so because I really I didn't want to do only like. Uh, yeah, the typical cultural things. I wanted to do real, the real things so I, I did uh, uh, in those years I made uh, pregnancy testers and you know stuff like that like uh, industrial design which is healthy to learn to those things and beautiful to do. And so I worked also, I started working for KLM already, already that early mm. that's why I also and, and then of course with this company we failed, the KLM didn't Continue to do it, and so then I started years after to work with no no right after I, I le- so after three years I left, and I started working for the biggest competitor from the company that my client my my uh, my, my uh, the studio that I worked for worked for, which is a super small company, that then four years on a row won with my designs the the in-flight awards. For, for design three years of four years in a row so then the company was bought away if they could handle that stuff and then at the end KLM asked me so so this this in-flight service has always been on my radar and it's a mm-hmm. uh, it's a beautiful territory that i love to work in
1: before we return to marcel bonders a word from our partner polyform With its Italian roots dating back to 1970, Polyform is the ultimate purveyor of design-driven products that outfit nearly every inch of the modern home, from its stunning kitchens and dreamlike storage systems to sleek and inviting sofas. Using decades of knowledge and a mastery of Italian style, Polyform's incredible designs go beyond the ephemeral trends we see so often today. Instead, they exude a recognizable elegance you'd expect from a company headquartered in Brianza, near Lake Como. As the grand tourist is always shopping for his next remodel or just dreaming about it, Polyform has many instant icons to consider. The Curve Collection by Emanuel Galina solves a problem for anyone designing a truly modern home. Many icons of the mid 20th century were created one at a time and sometimes lack a sense of cohesion when put together in a room with a strong architectural character. The Curve Collection, consisting of a dining table, bed, and chair, whisper good design instead of shouting. The table has a stunning wooden cross piece that can be upholstered in leather, and the bed and chairs with optional footrest can be completely changed with its fabric choices such as pinstripes, a nubby wool, elegant solids, and more sartorial choices. For more information about the Curve collection and all of the brand's incredible works of design, visit polyform.com. So I wanted to ask about the knotted chair uh, for Capellini uh, from back in 1996. It's it's probably one of your most famous pieces and and really kicks off your career. And for those who haven't seen it, it's sort of um like a net that's sort of uh, been suspended in midair, and it kind of looks like it's it, it was made such a statement about craft and how it was made. And um, if you haven't seen a video of it. Uh, being the originals being made it's really something everyone should see Uh, tell me a little bit about the the nada chair and and how that came to be
0: i mean we we were uh we we, uh we were already working uh, on this idea that there was this novel idea of uh but, but these super strong uh fibers uh they were on our mind we sketched ideas for it because of course that was the new that was a new idea and as a designer you're always interested in the, in, in the new technologies that are out there and otherwise it's hard to find a reason for it and sometimes you find something and you, know, you try to be you try to to learn and so while you learn you find new things now one then at some point I was asked by, uh, by Drew Design if he wanted to be part of a a project that they were going to do, and they were going to do it with the Aeronautics Department of the Technical University in Delft, which these guys, they were full into this uh, strong fibers, carbon fiber and, and all this stuff. So I'm like, that's cool, that's cool, I like that. And so we got one day where we got to exp- explained a lot, and it was a bit strange because they were doing a lot with sheets, because uh, they have this this uh, mesh and these meshes, you can make boxes and all this stuff. And like, but I'm like, this is not really the point. Because the point of this material is that it is a textile. Mm-hmm. So my, my girlfriend used to be a textile designer, and so I had a good understanding of what it meant to be textile. That is not um, that it's a very complex complex opportunity for creation of a material and so i was super excited to do a textile design Uh, and then uh, obviously i wanted to do a chair because why not a chair is always fun to work on which is complex and it has a face it has four legs it's kind of you know it's kind of cool and so the idea was to do a chair to do it out of uh, text a textile design and so I Soon after, I thought, like, if if I want to do a chair and it has to be light, then probably uh, space frames are not a bad metaphor. Space frames, I think you know what that means. It's not a bad metaphor because, you know, you have your strength lines, but you don't have to fill up all the voids in between. And I could see that ending in a chair. Now, I had to find a way to make those I'm like okay let's let, let, we have to make ropes obviously we don't start with the, yeah we have to start with ropes so I'm like we start to finding a person that could make ropes out of this material which is the first time ever someone made ropes mm. out of this material and uh, and then yeah you start to nothing and I we all did macrame when we were <laughs> five years old or seven I don't know so tried to find my old macrame books. <laughs> and uh so we started doing macrame because that was something that, you know, you could easily do and it was maybe good testing and and we start I started to see that, you know, the the ropes we had to change it, so we made new ropes and yeah, then it went from one to the other. It was interesting that when you have a rope, let's say and you put your your epoxy on it and you put it on a mold then the the plastic around this rope is following the rope but then it's following the mold so you get all these super sharp lines mm. which made it really impossible to use molds and so because this we, uh, I came up with this idea to hang up in midair the ropes which is I think one of the coolest things about the chair that yes, it's not it doesn't have a mold it has a rack mm. it's just hung in midair and gravity is the biggest player in the definition of this piece
1: uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, a, a young dutch designer uh who used instead of letting gravity decide in a way he he made the bone chair i'm completely forgetting his yeah name now. Yours, Laman. yes yeah. thank you like yeah. it's sort of like using i don't know what you would say like computer graphics which is yeah. how bones are made, but it kind of reminds me of that in, in a little bit. Um, obviously, the not chair, you know, you work, did you bring it to Giulio Capellini? He's kind of the, originally, or how did that work?
0: Well, let's start with that. Uh, yours, Lamar is a genius, huh? So <laughs> yes, that's true. If, if he's listening, compliment yours. Um, the chair was made... Uh, the day that I presented it was in Milano in the Druk design exhibition mm-hmm. I hung it up, so it was a chair but I hung it up a little bit so it was standing on one foot so mm-hmm. you could see it really beautifully 3 mesh. but it was mainly because I, I was not sure if someone was going to sit on it, it would it would survive <laughs> um, I and I had only one prototype so for this exhibition oh, I was okay. like I, uh, let's leave it this way Okay. Anyway, at the end, it it did work. So that's also great. So this chair was first presented in the Drew Design Exhibition. The exhibition was called uh, Dry Tech. And then uh, something like in February or so, Julio calls me up. And, and strangely, uh, it was my, my mom's birthday, so I'm at my mom's home. I'm never there. Mm. Four times a year, maybe. And so he calls me at that moment at my mom's house. My mom <laughs> takes the call on Saturday night, eight o'clock, whatever. And my mom comes to me and says, like, Marcel, there's a there's an Italian gentleman on the phone. He's very nice, but he seems a bit troubled. You have to be nice to him.
1: <laughs> and um this idea of looking back and, and using stuff in the past like um Calligraphy and ornament and all of these things that I'm sure your 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 teachers at uh, at Eindhoven didn't want you to 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 talk about. Um, this brings me to this idea of your work with uh, traditional Delft porcelain. Uh, which you, you still do to this day and it's, it's, it's manifested itself in a million ways or probably literally uh, 500 ways uh, in your career at this point, right? Where did that idea to use porcelain and these sort of traditional makers...
0: Oh, it's like, uh, I think if, if you... Uh, what I said in the beginning is like when I was a kid, I, I made little gifts for people. And I, I've, I've always had joy in making gifts for people, not only when I was five years old, but also when I was 10, also when I was 20, and also when I was 40. And through the making of gifts, I've learned a few things. And the two main things are, that if I make for you a gift, and you open that box, there's two things that that. One, you will see what's inside and think, oh my God, if it's a good one, if it's a good gift, oh my God, that's so me. How did he know that? And I didn't even have, this is great. That's so me. He's really thought about me, right? And you will also think at the same time, oh my God, that's so Marcel. Only Marcel can come up with something like that. That's really a Marcel gift, right? And so what's happening, if you do a good gift for someone, is you are now celebrating the relationship between two people because it is clear that you have seen each other To the gift is the proof that you have seen each other that you have understood parts of each other and that you are open to share each other now that is extremely beautiful now that is a gift that i can give to one person now my work is a gift that i give to an undisclosed amount of people. Not to you, but to all. And so I give myself and I hope that people will feel that what I make for them is something that speaks to them. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that is something that really we didn't have, but that's something we could want, right? And it's something that I touches me. Now, for the part that You recognize Marcel in it, you maybe recognize my culture, you maybe recognize the history that I want to put in things, and I want to step back in my culture. Now my culture, del is an important thing. Uh, We imported uh, the the China ware a long time in the 1600s, and at some point we couldn't get China ware anymore. Uh, the Ming, the Ming, uh, the Ming dynasty closed the doors, and so we started making our own China ware, which obviously we didn't have porcelain. We had really silly, cheap, fat uh, ceramics, and our painters made a mess. But you know, we made it ours, and it's a really simple, little bit farmery kind of undeveloped. It's, it's very simple, but it's warm. Uh, the, the, the ceramic is not so white. It's a bit grayish. And, the, and the, the blue is has beautiful watercolor blue and the color of the sea. All anyway. altogether it became something over the years that really speaks for my culture. And so obviously, the last 100 years, people have started to hate it because it's old-fashioned and we can't look at it because it's old-fashioned. We don't like it. So I started when I... immediately when I came from school and I had my vision correct. I'd like let's start with this. So I'm, I started against all odds to make, but I, I did I did uh, uh, lace patterns also. I think I always try to do what, what what designers thinks you can't use. I use it macrame. I use it immediately. I used what what designers thinks you sketch. I start immediately using it. Was just something valuable there? Before
1: we turn to the program, a word from our sponsor, Lumens. As a design editor and a magazine veteran for decades, I can remember keeping so many lists. Where to buy lighting, where to buy great furniture, rugs, accessories, pillows, vases, you name it. Just keeping track of where to get access to the best design houses online was a job unto itself. But today, homeowners and designers have access to Lumens.com, a source for more than 400 global brands all in one place. What started as an insider's go-to source for lighting has emerged as an encyclopedic powerhouse of good design, celebrating its 20th anniversary, offering nearly everything an architect, designer, or aficionado could require, from iconic names like B&B Italia and Floss to Carl Hansen and Nanni Marquina, Of course, that also includes the likes of our guest today, Marcel Vonders. You'll find his ornate trays for Alessi, floral rugs bursting with color from Moy, and especially his incredible lighting from Floss, including his iconic sky garden pendant and his latest and ultra minimal Sky Nest. But my favorite? That would be the dressed cookie jar. Its beautiful lid has a little bell on the inside. So when those with sticky fingers reach for another snack, there's no hiding the caloric intake from all of those within distance. So grab all the most important and delicious designs by this incredible master of creativity at lumens.com. That's L U M E N S.com. And uh, you told uh, the New York Times once, you're talking about a bathtub design of yours, and you said that the word fantasy, that you you hardly ever hear it in the world of design. They were talking about the bathtub being kind of like a, a fantastical bathtub. I forget which one it was. And you said that uh, you never really hear the word fantasy. You said, that's very strange. You should hear it a lot. I think fantasy is a very important value that designers and artists should bring to yeah, the it's, world. Yeah,
0: it's, 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 it's a bit two stories that you're referring to, but yes. Sure um i made for um for bisatsa in collaboration with bisatsa I, I did i did my first hotel and so in this hotel i wanted to do a unique bath we had a beautiful beautiful space on a fantastic bath so i came up with this idea to to make a bath out of a hand soap so so to, to really create a huge glycerin soap, carve a hole inside and have a girl sitting in there and just like have a, a, a bath out of soap. And so we made that. And then also we we tried to... And of course, that, that bath was also... It was in the shape of a hand soap. So, so basically, the, 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 I made also drawings that you know, there's this big giant and he holds in his hand near his face, he holds a hand soap and carved out there and there's a little girl sitting in there. That's his girlfriend. Just like sits there in his, in his hand soap. He's taking care of that. Like, uh, so that's a beautiful vision. And so we made that uh, that soap bath and the soap series. We made it with, uh, with Bizzatza, a fantastic company I've been working with for a long time. And uh, and obviously that, that that's that's yeah it's a fantasy and it, it delivers an object that you know the shape you recognize and you're like is that soap that's poetic for me it's poetic and so uh, on your second note yes um, I think fantasy is relevant relevant subject in design and but at some point I'm, I'm reading the word fantasy in a design article and i'm like oh yes and it's and then i thought like but i hardly ever 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 ever, ever read that word in design and um, and i'm like that's not great that's not really good and that's really really strange in a way because come on, this is, we're talking about poetry, we're talking about, you know, we're going to surprise the world, we're going to do something different, let's do something different, right? That's the point of design. It's not that we're all doing the same stuff, but we're going to just, like, surprise the world a bit, no? We're going to do something that makes people happy tomorrow and we're going to do something that hasn't been done. So fantasy is a relatively important word, I would guess, but not in my world, anyway. So it's a bit pity, but you know, there's a lot of designers today that uh, have changed the the world a bit. I think the world of design is a lot more. It's changed a lot over the. I mean, since we started working, my generation, I think.
1: And uh, you mentioned uh, the book of 10, 10 ideas on design. Besides, that you, yeah. uh, can you remember one of them that maybe you haven't mentioned that you'd like to share?
0: Yeah. I think I remember all of them, but life, for instance, the last one, it's a funny one. Uh, the last one is, the uh, is, name is a bit silly, but it's called something like uh, Everybody Wants to Be Lassie. Now, Lassie is a strange word, but it, uh, maybe you all remember that there was this kids' uh, series of a collie, a dog, uh, Lassie. Lassie. Right. And so obviously, over generations, I think everybody yeah. knows Lassie. And I remember really well that I was looking at Lassie with you know, 10 kids sitting on the sofa. We're all on the tip of the sofa. We're like, so exciting, right? And all these kids are like, ah, they're screaming for Lassie, come on, Lassie, run, run, run. And no, no one of the kids ever was against Lassie, Ever. This doesn't exist, a kid that's against lassie. And I think fundamentally, mm-hmm. people want to do do the, the think the right things. They want to do the things right and they do want to do the right things and they want to do it right. And it's like and though it, it's not always happening, people are not always doing the right thing. but I believe that they want to do the right things. And I think there lies a, a fantastic opportunity for design because it, as a designer, it's like why do people not do the right thing? I think it's because um, they're afraid, or uh, they have another responsibility, and it's leading them to something, or they cannot be certain enough, or you know it's too expensive, or like all kinds of stuff. Now I think if you if you're building if you're making designs for a company. I think you, you it's your task as a designer to use creativity not only to make an object, to make it so great that everybody is welcomed to take the right decision. So be aware of all the fears in the team, all the opportunities and, 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 and impossibilities in the teams so that everybody can make that little step to do the right thing. Because people want to do it, but you have to help them. Because it's not always easy. Not for no one, and also not for the people we work with. So you have to help them a little bit sometimes. Maybe you have to explain it a little better. Maybe you have to redesign a little bit. Maybe you have to think it through one more time. Yeah. But you have to find It's your responsibility. Because that is also the way that you get stuff done that otherwise you'll never get done. Because people want to do the right thing, but they're scared. Because its it's also not always easy. The right thing is at least is different than what other people have done. So it's like, yeah, it's a bit scary, you know? So you have to help them. You have to convince them in a sweet way or you have to take them on your journey or you have to make it more easy or make them see that, you know, there's not so much to fear or you have to find a way. And that's beautiful. And I think that's part of the creation. It's not only like conversation, it's part of the creation, because I think you can design things in such ways that you know it solves the internal problems of a process. You can, you, you must.
1: And uh, speaking of that process and uh, <laughs> being Lassie, uh, one of the partners you've worked with uh, for quite some time is Polyform. And your Mad uh, Mad collection for them is uh, super successful and is sort of uh, iconic for them. And now you have this new a new line called Mad Out, which is uh, outdoor furniture. Uh, tell me a little bit about this 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 collection and uh, how you sort of enjoy this new. I mean, you know, so much attention now going into post pandemic, you know, of outdoor furniture and and everything to kind of live and breathe in the garden and outside and everything like that um tell me about the collection and, and how that kind of what your thoughts are about it
0: i mean it's seems people always think that you're saying that's a big success big success and that's great and it's wonderful but uh, i started working with uh with them in i don't know i think 20 years ago uh, and mm-hmm. it's, it's like a, a very long time, and then you do a lot of things. You work hard together for a long time, and sometimes you're lucky you make something that that does really well. But you know, these companies they work their, their butt off to make amazing things, and they do it for 20 years together, and then they are lucky ones together. We're lucky. So um, I think it's imp- always important to understand that. Um, there's a lot of passion going and making new things, and sometimes it's recognized. Not always, anyways. This collection, it's a beautiful collection, um, and yeah, it's it's kind of a yeah, it's almost a little bit of a, a collection that we made with the idea to to do something that was between new and vintage. So it had that kind, of, this kind of warmth of of uh, vintage pieces surrounding it we, we really thought it would be cool to, to have that that vibe uh, that peter stipe feeling that feeling of uh, international success and the, the good old days and so we made a collection with with that spirit in mind and um i think it just became really beautiful i mean the the, the workmanship is really done perfectly well and it's comfortable it's, it's simple but also very beautiful yeah it's, it's just a beautiful collection i don't know I, I can't even explain better why it's a success you think nobody knows those things i mean it's just like it's just, things speak to people yeah and then at, at some point we we're like yeah this whole idea for outdoor for me it's almost um it's it's strange that we that we needed a pandemic for us to understand that the house is important and the outdoor is important. Mm. It's, to me, that's the biggest surprise. It's not a surprise that we want outdoor furniture. It's not a surprise that we want our homes to be amazing and giving and you know, a place for community. For me, it's, it's it's really mesmerizing, the idea that we needed a, a pandemic to Understand it together, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of funny, uh, but it's uh, it's one of these things. I mean, you can always be surprised. Humanity is a, I mean, we think that that's one of these things. I mean, in modernism, we think that you know we can make all these rational choices because we are human beings, but we're so unrational. We' so unrational, and that's a, the beauty of of people it's the beautiful thing of people so, mm. so all the all this all this idea that design is rational it's it's humanity is so irrational in its behavior and and I think that's one of the beautiful things about people I mean we invented high heels <laughs> we we Put Christmas trees in our houses. We, uh, if we find a flat stone, we skip it over water, and we like it. We do. We even have a little competition: who does more skips than the other. I mean, that's what people do. It's wonderful. It's we are we are fundamentally poetic be- beings. We just sometimes forget it.
1: And. And, you know, one of the uh, you've obviously, you know, been highly influential with your designs, but you've also been influential with your sort of sense of entrepreneurship and, you know, your, your time with Moy and, and other projects, uh, this sort of marriage of entrepreneurship, running a business and creativity, you know, l- looking back now, running a big studio, um, developing hundreds of products what lessons would you give to like younger designers now when they're 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 wanting to kind of understand what did you learn about this time being also an entrepreneur and working in the world of industry
0: and anyway, let me let me start saying that there's no successful company in the world that survives without creative and um and if you're a designer and you work for companies and you have no idea about business or what companies need please listen to your clients or try to educate yourself because yeah you are responsible for the people in the company that you know they have work and they have uh, money to pay the kids school and go for a holiday once a year so if you're not willing to to be part of that universe where you play a role in a company, so to make sure that the company can survive, if you don't want to do that, then maybe you should do something else. If you're a designer, that is part of your responsibility. And of course, you don't take full responsibility. You're not alone. But if you're not willing to take the responsibility that you have, you should not be allowed to design. And the, and, and uh, I think if you're an entrepreneur and you have no interest in creativity, then the, you, you will probably not make it for a long time also so i think there's a beautiful and where most people would say like that um artists cannot be cannot have a business sense i think it's complete nonsense i think it's 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 uh, i think uh business people should have a bit of a creative sense and, and creative people should have some business sense and and more than anything uh, they have to have so much sense that they're willing to listen to each other. I mean, I—I I, one of the things I did in uh, in my, my city in Amsterdam, we, I, I set up a school together with some friends. And this school is called Think in Amsterdam. And this school is really for entrepreneurs to dive in for a year and to, to educate themselves in, into creativity. So, as an entrepreneur, you re- you are you really learn how to deal with creativity, to open your own creativity, but also to have a conversation with creative people. So it's really like how how, how do these two worlds that are presented to be so far away? How can we make them work together, like as as a unit, right? And, uh, and so, for, well, after I, uh, the school was working for a few years, I'm like, yeah, this is great. Now they have a school, I don't have a school. So at the end, I, I decided to do an MBA, which is not exactly what is a good middle ground for, between creativity and and uh, and business. But for me, that was the way to do it because I, I also felt the need to, to educate myself in business. Because if you are... A designer, and and you get more responsibility because your projects get bigger and your companies get bigger where you work for. At some point, you know, it's maybe a little bit important that you know what you're talking about. You can just advise companies, but maybe you should know what you say, right? So I'm like, let me educate myself a little bit better, and so I did an MBA at INSEAD in, uh, in Fontainebleau in Paris.
1: And uh, when you're designing a home. For yourself, what what is the one thing you do for yourself when you're designing a home that you may not do for, you know, if you're designing a hotel or you're designing a home for a client? What what is something that you yourself need to make for yourself in a home for to feel right for you?
0: I don't know. I think I think what's really important is that in 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 um, a project is is always the this project that you do for yourself and this project that I do for a client. And if I have a client, I really, uh, I, I always say that we take carte blanche, but we take carte blanche because we really listen to people. And after that, we, we can take carte blanche because we know what's the best thing to do. So I really love to listen to people and, uh, and to try to understand what it is they, they need or what their fears are and you know, like to, to make something that is extremely great for them. Uh, if you don't have that person, it's really difficult to know what you want because you can do anything. So you have to try find a bit of a. But if you can do everything, basically you can't. You can't do anything, right? If that 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 is. If you can't solve a problem, then what do you do? It's like you have to. So it's, that's that's the difficulty of making things for myself so i'm happy that you know i always have something like oh yeah but this this uh i'll do it for my family and then uh, my girlfriend's gonna be really happy so really putting a lot of people in place even if i don't consult them think okay they're gonna be happy this way and that's how it's gonna work so, because I, you need some kind of um you need to find some way that you know you did something well if there's no one that needs this thing then what are you making i don't know it's a bit um, that's it's complicated to work for myself because also like in in, in the works that i do approach otherwise i want to you know prove my point or so but this these are works that i'm never going to show outside probably maybe i will but probably not so i'm like okay it, it, i'm not going to prove a point to no one i'm just making this right so it's a so i'm a bit lost in what can i do and not do because i'm not making things which i just for fun that's not how i work that's not my how, how i take i don't make things for fun i just make them because they're important
1: can I ask, like, what kind of things you're making for yourself
0: now? I'm talking about two places where I'm gonna stay. So one's an apartment, one's a big house, and and then and then, then there's a lot of things that are going in there. You know, I could more, I could decide. Oh, I'm gonna do the tiles myself. I'm gonna find a company, take some ceramics, make some tiles. I could do that. I don't know. I might.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you're you're. You definitely have the ability to do so, Um, and uh, if my last question—if I were to ask you today—and who is Marcel
0: Wanders, how would you how would you answer? I know, I don't know. It (laughs) feels a bit of a strange, strange. um, It's a very strange question. (laughs) Yeah, like who is strange if you ask like what or how or uh, I don't know who is he that's the definition that has to come from outside, no who hmm. I don't know. I'm just um I'm just uh I'm just happy that I, I was able to find a passion in my life that that was so all encompassing and that I got the time to to vocalize an opinion and and to to, to create a a vision on this on a lot of subjects and have the opportunities to express myself clearly. And I'm happy to keep doing that for for quite a while.
1: Do you ever think about retiring someday or are you someone who will
0: keep going till the end? Oh, sometimes I feel I'm not a designer anymore. Really? Yeah, yeah, sometimes I feel that. Why? I know I don't feel that I have to die with a pencil in my hand designing a chair. I'm, mm. I'm just, but I'm a creator. So I will create till the end. I don't know what that means exactly, but I will create till the end. I think that's what's, what I do. I make. But I make. Uh, I often always call myself a nest builder. I make nests. So maybe that's what I will do. Make a nest. I don't know. It's not that I have to make objects or that I have to work with companies. Or I, can, I can see myself, but... but I will make. I will make things. I will create. I will, my, my, as long as my brain will be active, it will spin out uh, things. I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> uh, if, it, if it works, you never know.
1: Thank you to our guest, Marcel Vanders, and his entire studio for making this episode happen. The editor of The Grand Tourist is Stan Hall. To keep this going, don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter, the Grand Tourist Curator at thegrandtourist.net and follow me on Instagram at Dan Rubenstein. And don't forget to follow The Grand Tourist on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen and leave us a rating or comment. Every little bit helps. Till next time.